Bonjourno, beautiful beings, and welcome to another fun episode of the TV podcast. This week's episode brought to you by DoofTube, where you can find all the latest videos from the fun going on around Melbourne, plus some of our favorite old festival highlights. Check out our DoofTube YouTube channel and also DoofTube Live on Instagram so you can see where we're at out and about and the parties that you should not be missing. Also brought to you by TrentOff.com, where you can find all the images and pictures from this episode uh, that we refer to in our little favorite game of show and tell, plus links to all the fun that we discuss in this episode and events coming up soon. Now, let's get to it. One thing that please remind me to keep doing this is we would like to show our respects to the native custodians of this land, the Bunwarung people, and also to the Jarjawarung of Bendigo. A uh, big thank you to Jarden Williams who helped us make sure that information's all accurate and correct and our pronunciations are right. And we would like to, with this and all of our events going forward, acknowledge the native owners of this land because we are very lucky to be here and we love sharing the values and the spirits of those that were here before us, as well as try to set a great example for those that are going to be lucky enough to be here in the future. Before we get into it, this episode also brought to you by our good friends at Bush Techno Recovery Collective and Euphoria Berserk as they present one of my favorite artists from the last couple of years. Maxim Dark is playing at 24 Moons on October 11. Maxim Dark's on Senso Sounds. He's got some awesome tracks with some latest release just come out, including Thrills, Bastille. Checks out on Kiss FM, actually, our live stream for Perspective After Dark on the episode of October the 3rd. Features half an hour of us presenting the best Max, well, my favorite Maxim Dark tracks. So everyone jump online. Uh, Maxim Dark, search it on Facebook. The tickets are still available. Uh, that is Friday, October 11 at 24 moons. You are in for some beautiful techno. This is one you don't want to miss. And thank you guys for supporting the show. Before we get into this episode with an absolute legend of the Melbourne Underground, let's quickly recap what was an awesome grand final weekend here in Melbourne. The old Duff Tube Mobile was in full fang across this great city. We started off Thursday night at Hologram, where we got to see Asterix, Liquid Soul, Schneider, John 00 Fleming, and some just great blend of Psytrance and trance artists in effect with that awesome Hologram screen encapsulating the whole audience. That was very fun down that festival hall. Uh, that wrapped up around one o'clock where we quickly fanged it across the Glamorama. Got to see Steve Ward play there. Uh, supported by a couple of young guns who we love, Sammy LaMarca and, of course, Adam Weeks. The place was rammed, and it was awesome to see some of our best mates doing so well. And uh, that carried over into Friday, where I actually jumped on the fang and went up to see the old man for his birthday in Bendigo, and happy birthday, Lee. Whilst we were up there, he played a charity event with my grandma and uncle, amongst a few others, uh, in support of the Neiman Pick Foundation, where they raised nearly a 1000 bucks in support of that disease and it was nice to hear a bit of country music and catch up with the family for dad's birthday after dinner we cruised back down on friday night to check out extra welt at my aeon the place was pumping uh beautiful tunes upstairs and down musk and warming the dance floor nicely as well uh after that we went down to new guernica saw the end of war at king and then watched sammy lamarca play again to a very fun crowd down at the gurns and then it was grand final time so a bit of a sleep in and then we were primed for a big saturday night and what a vibe it was around the city 
if you check out the TB Podcast Facebook page, you'll see some of the fun that was going on around there. The streets were packed and going mental. A sea of yellow and black. You'll see us roaming the streets of Swan Street there. As uh, I was lucky enough to be invited down to my mate Sammy's grand final birthday. He lives right behind the corner hotel. So Richmond and half the MCG field the streets. It was full party mode, which just got us in a great mood as we in jotted over to the timber yard thanks to Gid and ash for having us there as stefan bodzen put on a show but before we got to see bodzen the man i was there to see was allegra our good mate chase whose latest release lost moments has just dropped and that is now available on beatport and features some great tracks including spine work newfound love feeling isolated tremor and down under we're going to feature one of those as our track of the week so listen out at the end for the new track from Allegra from the lost moments release so jump on a beat boy and get that for under 15 bucks Allegra on recovery collective lost moments he put on quite the show in the side room at the timber yard once that wrapped up we got it going again straight across north side as our good friend Julian aka perspective warmed up for liquid soul and boy oh boy did he have the place jumping he came on after another good friend of the pod anonymous actually check out anonymous on soundcloud he's got some ripping tunes there our mate dill but perspective at my aon just when we thought my aon couldn't be any more rammed on friday night with extra welt there we were our favorite producer and my Kiss FM co-host for Perspective After Dark Thursday nights from 8.30 to 10 for those who like the live stream. But there he was, Julian, absolutely smashing it out, playing his own tunes to a crowd of just good people. No iPhones in the air. Actually, I think I was the only one with the camera out for the set, and that was just to get some nice footage for him. But everyone just absolutely immersed by the vibe that he was pumping out there. And uh, it was a very proud moment for us here at the podcast. And then to see him warm up, just nicely ease it into... The OG, the legend, Liquid Soul, who were also very lucky enough actually at Hologram, thanks to Lev and the team, we had an interview with Liquid Soul, so watch out for that on DoofTube in the coming weeks. That man has more number one releases on Beatport in the Psytrance category than anyone of all time, so to get to pick his brain for about 10 minutes was was an awesome experience, and uh, I think you guys will really enjoy that one. Probably not as much as we enjoyed it on the dance floor though, so well done to Julian. on Saturday night. His latest release, Abstract Mind, is also available on Beatport, so check that one out. Thanks to Joel and the team at My Aon for having us along. So we hope everyone had as much fun in the long weekends we did here at the TV podcast. Enough about us. Let's get to this one. This is a very special podcast here with an OG, an absolute techno legend of the Melbourne underground. Well, without further ado, let's chuck it to our favourite PA announcer. Ladies and gentlemen, Making his way to the mic. Five eight. From Billinook College and the Chisholm Institute of Tape. He is also known as the Acapella King. Nick Nick Tom Hamilton. Welcome to the podcast. It is a cool spring afternoon here in St Kilda East. We've got Tal, he's got his black leather jacket on. What black t-shirt? What do you got on the t-shirt there? Rick, uh, and, Rick Morty? and Morty. Rick and Morty. What's it got underneath there? Primitive. Yeah, primitive. Oh, there we go. And you're rocking a Melbourne camo hat. Yeah. Um, people can see pictures of Trent and Tal on uh, trentoff.com. Uh, <laughs> Tal, 
welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's Thanks. great to have you here. Um, for those that don't know, Tal has also been a resident at places such as Killing Time. The Breakfast Club is where most people would know you from now, Revolver also. Yeah. Um, Revolver in its early days. Yep. First things first, how did you get the name Tal? T-A-H-L. Um, it's, it's getting a bit of use out of my middle name. Okay. It's my middle name. Oh, that is just your yeah, middle name? It's, it's literally just my middle name. Oh, cool. Um, yep. It was going to be my first name, but yep. my folks thought that I might get a li- little bit too much shit in um, uh, primary school, so yeah. they decided to call me Nick, which okay. kind of well, you know, <laughs> worked, still... it worked against me because it kind of reminds, you know, there's there's a million things that you can... Yeah, uh, <laughs> rhyme with yeah, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, that kids used to love to say, so yep. I probably could have use Tal in the first, but you know, like I'm, I'm almost at the stage where I wouldn't mind to drop Nick, but, you know, okay. but. Oh, so we'll call, we'll call you Tal? Yeah, yeah, call yep. me Tal. Cool. Yeah. Well, you can find Tal, um, for those playing along at home, on SoundCloud um, yeah. and also on Instagram, T-A-H-L. We've seen your awesome uh, festivals such as Rainbow, Subsonic, Esoteric, but let's go right back and start from the start. We're also going to play our little show and tell game which yep. I'm not sure if you've heard of other podcasts, where we will put some images on the screen yep. um, and throughout we'll uh, get your, I guess, reaction or thoughts to, to some of the things. But I guess let's start from the start. How did you get into music and DJing? I, I hear you're a bit of a metalhead. Yeah, I was like I was a, a mosh pit fanatic, mm-hmm. um, bit of a stage diver and a, a speaker block climber. Yep. Um, I lost my front two teeth um, watching Corn had the big day out um, <laughs> back in the nineties, yep. and it was pretty much like the the year that Limp Biscuit were supposed to play at um, the big day out, mm-hmm. and they a girl died in, in, Sydney, the, in, wasn't in, it? in the Sydney yep. uh, gig. Yep. I was dressed as Fred Durst. So <laughs> I, you know, Limp Biscuit were my go-to sort of like yep. band at the time. Yep. And because they didn't play, um, the mates that I was there with, we were like, uh, we should go and check out this guy named Carl Cox in the boiler room. Right. And we walked into the boiler room as three sort of metal heads and then we walked out of the boiler room with covered in glow sticks, <laughs> visors, no tops, mm-hmm. and with an obsession about shuffling. <laughs> so, so, and then... Watching at the end of his set, Carl Cox turned the music off and sculled a bit bitter. Yeah, all right. And we were just like, me and my mate, a uh, guy named Scott Fagan, yep. who was a, who DJed under the name Fagan. Mm-hmm. Um, we then were obsessed. Yep. With, with so what Stephen. year was that? It was about 98? Was that it? was like 99, 2000. Yeah, right. Yeah. And pretty much then from there, uh, Fagan bought a... A set of turntables which we shared for about a, a year or so, mm-hmm. um, and then we were doing sort of like um, house parties and the like and all that sort of stuff. And I actually rode off my GTS Skyline. <laughs> was that your first car? Yeah, uh, it was my second car, but yeah. it was a car that everyone told me not to get because yeah. I couldn't get insurance for it. And I was like, oh, I'll just get it because it's my dream car. Yeah. And two years later, I rode it off in an accident where I got kind of screwed over by the insurance company. Yeah. And they didn't, I, I lost a lot of money, but they gave me, they, 
they gave me a, a certain amount of money for the wreck. Yeah. And instead of pay, paying off my loan, I went out and bought turntables and <laughs> about $5,000 worth of records. Yep, as you do. And f- when I bought my turntables for about a year, I'd mix in the morning before work and then I'd come straight home after work, maybe sometimes come home at lunchtime, mix yep. at lunchtime. So what job, what job were you working? I was doing... Graphic design at this stage, so yep. professional graphic design for a place called the Promotions Factory. Mm-hmm. And I'd actually, after work, I'd get home and mix until my roommates could, had had enough. Mm-hmm. And I would take off either the needle or the, the weight for the tone arm. Yeah. And I'd rest that on my pillow and I'd go to sleep staring at it. Yeah. And I'd wake up looking at it and I'd grab it wake up in the morning and just start mixing again. So I did that. you're mixing in your dreams. Yeah, I solidly did that for almost a year, you know. Yeah, wow. So, so yeah, like literally, like, uh, I guess, dreaming about what you... I was obsessed. What, yeah. I, I'd never, I'd never, I'd always been into music, always, and always, like, I, I did a bit of singing in metal yeah. me, metal bands for a while, Um but then due to smoking and not actually knowing how to sing properly, <laughs> I lost my voice pretty quickly because yep. I was uh, screaming, um, doing that sort of rah-rah-rah sort of metal yeah. stuff. And so I always knew I wanted to do something to do with music, but yep. I found the instruments like guitar and drums and all that sort of stuff, I never, I was never patient enough to get past the when you're shit stage. Yeah. If you know what I mean, and so the pretty much the one and only instrument that I learned how to use was turntables. Turntables. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, but it wasn't until like it wasn't until me and Fagan through a whole series of parties called Relax at um, yep. what is now Storyville. Storyville. But before that, it was Wawa Lounge. Before that, mm-hmm. it was TFU. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was running parties there, it was called Club Cartel. And that was in the early 2000s and we were running really, you know, packed out parties. We were doing, we, we were doing things like making ice sculptures out of our logo and having that at the front yeah. for the people <laughs> in the line and serving yep. shots of Jaeger through the ice sculpture <laughs> to people. Surely we've um, got some photos of this we can draw up somewhere. Well, not really because it was before social media, it was before yep. digital photos. So yep. there might be a fl- few Polaroids floating around, fl- floating around maybe, yeah, right. but um, not that I can find. Yeah, because in those in those days, I was just we were just lost in the in the actual. You know, it was it was to play music to a bunch of people and have people put yep. their hands in the air was I was the first time I played, I was addicted. You know, yeah, I was, uh, but I didn't actually ever see it as a as an art until I was taken to Revolver right. and I saw Boogs play for the first time. Okay, so before we get to when you saw Boogs play for the first time, uh, when, when, when was the first gig that you that you actually played in front of people? Was it a house party? Uh, no, it was at a, we put on, we ran our own, me and Fagan ran our own party at the College Lawn. It was like yep. a, we just ran one out the back. In Paran? In Paran. Yep. I think that was like maybe that was like year that was like year two thousand or yeah. something around year two thousand two thousand and one, and then after that, once we threw that party, it was a real success, and then 
just through, I was doing a bit of graphic design and promoting work for a clothing company called Neo Tokyo. Okay. And they just so happened to have, they were the people behind Club Cartel. And they had one night was, they had one night opening, like around, the, it was around the Christmas time. Yeah. And me and Fagan threw a party and it was sold out, uh, huge lines. And from there we ran monthly parties for almost two years. Right. So how, how many, what's the capacity there? Um, are, we, are we getting in a couple hundred or? No, it was maybe 300. Yeah, 300, 300 people. And we, we, we'd finish in the morning. Yep. We, we, our closing time was about 8 a.m., but we'd keep it going right through till 10 a.m., right till the sun came up through the windows. And yep. It was real hands in the air sort of time <laughs> of Melbourne as well. Cool. It was like, um, and we were doing things like we had, there was a, one of our biggest influences at that stage was a guy named Seth uh, who was Fagan's babysitter, but who was actually uh, a DJ who used to play at the Belfast parties and the hardware parties. Yeah. And we were doing things like um, putting on nights where we'd get Seth to play 60 records in 60 minutes. Right. Uh, so he'd be, you know, he was, he was mixing techno, but he was mixing it as if he was playing hip-hop. So he had all his markers on the yep. turntables and stuff. Yep. Um, and we were working with MCs at that stage as well. We were, we were working with an MC called MC Blue who used to, she used to rap and sing over the top of me and Fagan DJing. And we were playing breaks at that stage. Like we, were, we were obsessed with breakbeat yeah, because we came from like that rock and roll background slash hip hop. Yeah. But then, one, you know, yep. we, we loved techno music, but we didn't really want to play techno. Just, yeah. And you can see on your latest, on your SoundCloud, one of your latest mixes up there is a breakbeat mix. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, I've gone back to my roots in it, some ways. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Um, two things actually that we normally do at the start of an episode that I've skipped. Well, actually, one thing we normally do at the end is um, offer up a gift. But for you, I thought you might have wanted to have some of this throughout the episode, but up to you if you do or not. But I know you're a fan of one of these bad boys. Oh, five all. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, so get, I'll, that, I'll yeah. get stuck into that. So yeah. we can get stuck into that throughout the yeah. show if you yeah. want. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you. I can get you a, a glass if no, you want. I don't, or we can just use I don't the, need a glass. Use the, use the lid? No, I don't. I'll just, no, just have it straight, straight out of the bottle. bottle. Right, yeah. well, so anyone well, that knows me knows that if I get a bottle of this, I'm happy. So. <laughs> well, we're not sponsored by Fireball, but we've got Tal happy already. In it goes. Um Three quick questions. When's your birthday? 27th of April, 79. Birthplace? Uh, birthplace is the um, uh, Upper Ferntree Gully. Upper Ferntree Gully? Yeah, that was that was a hospital, but yep. I was born and raised in Sherbrooke. Yep. I often tell people it's Belgrave because not many people know <laughs> where Sherbrooke is because yep. it was a town that didn't even have a milk bar. Yeah. I had to walk out of Sherbrooke to get to the milk bar to buy my mum's smokes and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff back yeah. in the early 90s when I was old enough to when, walk. When yeah. kids could buy your mum's smokes and you yeah. just go up with a note, smokes for mum. Yeah, pretty much, yep. yeah. Pretty yep. much a note for mum. Yep. And I'd pinch a couple out of them yeah, well, that's, and, that's, and that's, take them to... Yeah, well, yeah. that's the, the fee for doing the walk, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and who's the best rapper of all time? Oh, jeez, that's like... Or your favourites? That's... that's There'd be a there'd be a few like I mean come on these are quick questions mate Easy E like NWA the whole group of them all right so well um we'll get to that actually now if you like oh, I, I have to say Eminem as well you know all right yeah. um this is a clip from you playing at on your birthday <laughs> yeah this is my fortieth birthday 
at Brecky Club. At Brecky Club, yeah. Yeah, so that's you playing a bit of NWA there. We'll, yep. we'll put that clip up on the... Um, I also played that at um, in my market stay set as well. Yes, you did? Yep. yep. Um, we'll, put, we'll put a clip of that up on trendoff.com yep. um, and on the Facebooks. Pardon, excuse the French, but I believe in the in the in the song. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you probably should cheer the fireball over this way whilst Julian gets up the first picture of our show and tell game. Yep. Do you want to pee? Maybe. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to the start. Um, well, Brecky Club last night was rocking. Yep. But so to get is- to Brecky Club, here's our first picture. Yeah, this is Blue Bar Sundays. Right. Now, from uh, I did put out to a few people about things that I should ask you about, yep. and Blue Bar was one of the first ones that came up, actually. Yeah, so, Blue Bar was a big, big – we did – me and a guy, DJ named Rowie, mm-hmm. ran Blue Bar Sundays for almost six years. Right. So when did that start? <sighs> I think that was around – Mid two thousands, like you know, like two thousand five, two thousand and six, maybe. Yeah. And we did that right through till sort of two thousand and ten, two thousand and eleven. But then we moved from that, and that photo there is the the guy on the mic is an MC that worked with me for you know four or five years. His name is Doctor Spong. Doctor Spong. Yep. Yep. And he was a uh, an MC for drum and bass parties and I met him at a party that I was helping out with where Fagan was a resident called Beats Working. Yep. Which was a breakbeat party with um, Hans DC, uh, MC Direct, mm-hmm. Oblivious, who I'm working with a little bit now again, which I'm lucky to, uh, Scott Rod and Fagan and a couple of, uh, one of the, the directors moved away so I was included and I met Sponk one night and we gelled and he then emceed with me all over Melbourne lounge and so you play instrumentals and he's just freestyling over the top basically yeah yeah cool yeah so it was like sort of electro dirty sort of stuff and he would he would he'd have original rhymes yeah um so what are some of the big tracks back then that you're playing I was playing like so did it have its anthems no no more conversations by Milo yep um uh Jeez, it's hard to it's hard to think back then. It was back on vinyl, back then, <laughs> so it was like. Um, do you remember your first vinyl that you ever bought? Uh, I don't remember the first. Oh, actually, yeah, I do. It was um, "Come with Me" by Alex Kidd, I think. Yeah, is that that one? But the first vinyl that I ever chased and played a lot of money for was a track that Boogs played at uh, Honky Tonks back in the day uh, called "Come Over to My Place" by Joshua. Mm-hmm. And it was a really rare record, and I found I can't remember the DJ that bought it off, but I ended up paying seventy dollars for a record for that. Yeah, to, right. To, to actually, and it took me months of ha- hassling him to, actually, <laughs> to, to, to get him it. to give it over to me. Yeah, but when I got it, I I, I rinsed that track. So, <laughs> <you> know, so. <laughs> um, all right. So onto the onto the next picture. Let's get into the good stuff. Yeah, right. All right. The, pe- <laughs> the thing that people want to hear. This all place. Right. All right, so this is this is Revolver before the cage, before anything when the booth was behind a bull bar from a truck. Yep, and there you are with uh, a former podcast guest, Mr. Musker. Yep. Um, he was uh, doing something you can't do these days and just smashing a durry behind the decks. Yeah, yeah, that was back in the days when you could smoke in Revolver and you used to walk out with this black 
sort of sludge on you that like, <laughs> wasn't really a substance really known to man, but it was a combination of uh, you know, a few hundred people's sweat and cigarettes Tobacco. that turned yeah. into black yeah. sludge that you used. Like, sometimes those couches. It's almost like there's literal tar. Yeah, you still get a bit of sludge off the couch sometimes yeah, when you come back. I think that's reminiscent of back that's still yeah. hanging around <laughs> from just, the smoking just, days. Yeah. Just the aura of the, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, let's tell us about um, how you got your starter revolver because originally Boogs was pretty much the only man allowed to touch the decks. Yeah, so if my, he couldn't play, you were the backup. Yeah, I filled in a few times for him when it was back on vinyl right. and I was, I was honoured to do that mm-hmm. and... That was Boogs and I became, you know, I, 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 anyone that knows me knows that almost my entire inspiration. Boogs made me a better person as a human being. You know, wow. he's, a, he's a, he's not just the best DJ that I've ever seen, including all internationals, including every, every tour that I've ever seen. Any international Boogs has got them. In the bag, yeah. But as a human being, Boogs is probably one of the best human beings that I've ever met in my entire life. He's one of the most genuine people. I've, he pays attention when you talk to him, and for somebody that is as close to a superstar that Melbourne's ever had, yeah, he's the most humble human being that I've ever met. Mm. Which in the scene, it's a very it's hard thing. Really, to see. really, really rare. Yeah, and even to this day. He's as humble as I first met him, mm-hmm. you know, and for him, for me, not just to, like, have, you know, I, I still get starstruck when I speak to him, even though <laughs> yeah. he's been one of my best, best friends mates. for 15 years, 16 yeah. years, I still am starstruck by him because he's he's a magician. Yeah. But as a human being, he made me a better human being. He made, he, he, he toned me down because I came from a background of moshing and, I came from a background of going out and drinking and getting in pub brawls and all that sort of stuff and he just showed me that none of that really mattered, you know. Yeah. It was all it, everything was about the music, mm-hmm. you know? And everything was about creating like what he and I discussed and what I always call getting the plates moving. So if you yeah. go back to on vinyl and you've got the the record plates moving, you can actually get a crowd an entire room or entire crowd at a festival swaying yeah. to the circle moment, you know, the circle right. of the turntables yeah. and that, you know, if you get all sort of trippy and, you know, all that sort of stuff, it's that's like the plates of the earth moving. Yeah, the frequencies know? of the it's, universe are all in sequence. It's, it's really sacred sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. There aren't many people, a lot of people DJ for... Um, you know, I hate to say it, like an ego-based reason to DJ, mm-hmm. but I've never in my life met somebody that DJs more for the right reasons than Boogs. He's just, he's obsessed. Is that just with yeah. trying to move people? Well, trying to move people, but he's also obsessed with music. He's yeah. like, he's, I swear he's part robot or, <laughs> or part alien or something, yeah. you know, because he's he's an absolute freak, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, a freak with any sort of, musical instrument he touches anything to do with production anything to do yep. like you know i'm just hanging for the first track he releases you know yep okay so when did you first meet boogs then i'd say probably 2004 2005 
Uh, the girl that I was dating, who was a lot older than me, um, I was still going out and getting into trouble on King Street and all that sort of stuff and DJing, not for the wrong reasons, but DJing and loving the after parties a little bit too much and stuff. But <laughs> I would ring my girlfriend at the time on a Sunday and in the background just would be like chaos. It would be like people screaming and music blaring. I'd be like, where where are you? Like, where are you? And all she kept saying to me, her name was Rachel, and all she kept saying to me is, like, you're not ready. You're not ready. <laughs> yeah. And then after a while, of, after dating her, she's like, okay, meet me at my place on Sunday morning. And we went to, and she walked me into Revolver and I just, I don't think I almost came to tears when I walked in and saw Books playing for the first time because I walked in and he was playing some sort of electro track yeah. with uh, Michael Jackson a cappella over the top. People were standing on the tables and it was, you know, there was bikies in one corner, there were transvestites in another, there was, and it was all industry-based back then. So yeah. it was like, and there was no social media, there was no mm -hmm. cameras or anything. So what? Yeah. if you didn't see it, it didn't happen. You yeah. know, so you got away with murder. <laughs> and it just so happened that Rachel was really good friends with Bulls. Yeah, right. And she introduced me to him and from there I pretty much like, was just a fanboy and followed Boogs around. So I stopped going out to the King Street places. I'd, I'd start off with my friends and then I'd drift away and and pretty much just end up at wherever he was playing and sitting in the corner. Mm -hmm. And it was one night at um, the Crofts Institute. I was sitting at the back and he noticed me and he, he said, like, oh, you've been coming to my, a few of my gigs and stuff. And I said, yeah, I'm getting into DJ. I'm like, I'm, you're, you're the man, you know. Yeah. And as humble as he is, and even back at those days, he said, well, come up on stage with me and sit sit there. If you like any track that I play, just let me know and I'll give you any... He would pass me the, the record and yep. so I'd be able to write it down. And, oh, sick. And, you know, that was... Uh, that <laughs> so was you'd one probably of the, just write down every one. <laughs> pretty, pretty much every single one. Yeah. But that was one of the... You know, that was one of the first times where I realised that there was just no ego with that guy, you know, and... I like to think of myself as a humble person as well, but that's you know, that stemmed a lot from basing myself on someone that I looked up to so much that I called a friend, you know. So, and and I guess based on that, how would you describe your mixing style? Uh, well, my mixing style is completely based on his. Yep. Which is also based on... Uh, Detroit mixing, yep. which is the idea of putting two tracks together to make a third sound, mm -hmm. so layering and um, key mixing and all yep. that sort of stuff. I mean, I have to do key mixing by actually working out my keys, but Boogs does it naturally. Yeah. Um, another reason why he's such a freak. Yeah. Um, but pretty much my style of DJing is based on sitting in the cage and watching Boogs every single Sunday morning. One year I went to Revolver for 36 weeks in a row out, <laughs> out, of, out of the 52 of the year. Have you got a membership out of that? I've had a membership there for <laughs> almost 15 years. Yep. How, have, how have you seen the place evolve, I guess, over? I mean, I've, I don't know if you noticed up here, but we've got the last four or five years of the, the people that have played at Revs. Yeah, well, um, Revs, Revs is Revs. Revs is like... It's like the club in Melbourne, the internationals asked to play it, yep. you know, and that that almost solely is to do, you know, like I won't say solely because Spacey Space is a huge part of Revolver as well. Yep. And back in the old days, 
a DJ named Agent 86 used to mm -hmm. warm up for Bulls. Mm -hmm. And I also got to know Agent 86 Nigel really well. And he was like one of the, he was another example of, and Spacey and Luke McD, they're all examples of great humans and doing and DJing for the right reasons, not, not for glory or stardom or anything like that. Yep. They're there because they love what they do. Yep. Yeah. Well, here's another picture which I think um, oh. features a few of those. Yeah, so that, that was that's mine and Rowie's party and uh, um, another guy named Chris who ran Fractured. Yep. Um, we were doing the Blue Bar Sundays and then we thought we'd do a month, sort of a monthly uh, themed party. Yep. And, yeah, Bamboozled was really, really successful. Yeah. Um, so where, where was that hosted? Um, we, did it, was that at the same venue or did you no, take that no, around? No, we had them at um, Banana Alley, the um, Platform 1. Yep. Down in Flinders Street mm -hmm. in those, like, the Levels. tubes. Yeah. In the tubes. Yep. And we, we would get maybe three to 400 people complete, you know, just punters. Yeah. Dressing up. You know, and, <laughs> so always, and, always a different thing. Yeah, yeah. And always always a different thing, but it was a rip-off of like uh, 80s, like MASH and yep. um, Saved by the Bell and yeah. Adam's Family. Yeah, I saw a few different when I was going through the stuff, archives yeah. of all those old movies, yeah. But it was the ones that we did, like the Bamboozle Family and the horror-themed ones that we had really yep. amazing turnouts of people dressing up. You yep. know? And I, I mean, Rowie would get a friend of mine named Georgie who did special effects makeup mm -hmm. for movies and stuff. And oh, so we would yeah. get right proper cuts and scars and we'd get stopped on the street on the way to the gig going yeah. like, are you all right? Do you need to go to, hosp <laughs> Do you need to, go to hospital and stuff? But, yep. you know, it was like we, we played up to it. it yep. There were some really good parties. That's You know, in that photo, that's Luke McD, Boogs and Sunshine in the middle, Hans DC and myself and Rowie. Yep. Did, um, did you do the artwork for these? Uh, no, I didn't. No, I didn't do them. Yep, but um, some people that don't know, you do have your own design company. Yeah, I do. I yep. do Tile Design. Yep, your background's in gra in graphic design. Yep. Um, Tile Design, they can look up your website. Uh, I don't, I actually, I've been told by a lot of people I need to pull my finger out a little bit with that <laughs> because I don't actually have a website. Right. I've been doing artwork for the scene for yep. 15 or so years, but I've never, I've been that focused on music and, yep. and DJing that I haven't actually ever put my stuff up in one place so, right. so if someone that, in, in, in the coming months there will yep. there will be a site so if someone needs uh, needs some graphic design work done they, though, just, they can hit you up on the Facebook just hit me up on Facebook hit me yeah. up on Facebook yep. no worries um, well we've mentioned Boogs um, I guess he's probably one of the well obviously the main one that comes to mind as far as influences on your career yeah uh, you, your dad's a chess player yeah he is yeah he's an Australian chess champion in the 80s for a, a few years mm-hmm um, he's still playing. He, he just finished a, a rapid Victorian competition um, where he got he won five five games out of seven. Right. Um, Do you play? Yeah, I, I can play. I was almost going to have a chessboard here and have a try and play while we talk, but I can hardly multitask no, on the microphone. So I'm much too impatient to play chess. <laughs> so I, I can play, but I definitely yep. don't have the patience that my old man yep. does. You know, yeah. And what sort of influence did, I guess, your, your family, your parents have on your career um, starting uh, well, out like, or, yeah, or the, my mum, My mum taught me how to dance almost as soon as I could walk you know, <laughs> like, uh, and, and made it really clear that music was yep. 
a really, really special thing. We've always had music in the house. Yeah, well, what sort of things did they have uh, you listening to? Like Dire Straits, um, yeah. Bob Dylan, that sort of mm-hmm. stuff, the Beatles. Sure. Um, but also, you know, like um, just the, just that music meant a, a lot, yeah. you know. There's not really much. You can't really explain it, you know, yeah. like what music is and what it does to people. But mm-hmm. uh, um, Any other big influences? Oh, there's you know later in my career, and if we if we get later, you know, right around the sort of the time when I was doing a lot of work with Bugs and at Revolver and stuff, I met a guy named Musker. Yep. Well, let's, um, let's uh, pop up the next next picture there. There he is. There he is. That's, so that's back at um, that Brown Alley. Yeah, that's a brown alley, yeah. In the courtyard? Yeah, yep. I'm, I'm pretty happy with what he's doing there. Yep. <laughs> Loving it. Um, all right, that's, that's Rainbow. Yep. That's, like, that's the first year we all went to Rainbow. Yep. As a, as a crew, and that's when we were running. Yeah, there we Mi- are Mixed again. Messages? So that's Mixed Messages, yeah. We started a, a, a party called Mixed Messages with another guy named Tabish. Mm-hmm. And Tabish got into a bit of trouble, so he couldn't uh, continue the party. Yep. Uh, so Musker asked me to come on board to take his place. Yep. And there's um, Basco also does Bush Techno. You designed that logo though, didn't you? The I Bush did Techno design, one? Yeah, I designed that one. Yep. yep. Um, and then so I guess tell us a bit more about Mixed Messages. So Mixed Messages was like a just about an underground party there where me and Musker were putting on a whole heap of parties because we, we weren't getting booked enough. <laughs> uh, so we just started throwing our own parties. Yep. And... Because you know, if anyone that knows Musker knows that he's a visionary kind of kind of guy, he's got mm-hmm. big bigger picture in in his eyes. Yeah, and we always wanted to be able to do our thing without having anybody else. Yeah, tell us how to do it. Yep, and you know, in the early days, they were really hard. We played to plenty of empty dance floors and all that sort of stuff, but we kept at it. And mixed messages is, is actually making a bit of resurgence. We're, yeah. we're, we're co-running a few parties coming up. Awesome. Um, You'll have to... Um, we've got one with Stanton Warriors and um, Pump DJs coming up. I'm doing the artwork for it at the moment. Uh, is the date locked in for that one yet? Uh, we yeah, have to find out. have to find out the date for that. That's right. We'll, we'll get it and we'll chuck it up on the on the website. Yep. Um, well, Musk is actually the one who... Who said you are the acapella king? <laughs> you said you'll put an acapella uh, on anything. Uh, yeah, but I, I can. But I, I mean, one of the there's a there's a bit of a funny story with an acapella. I used to play a little bit too much. Which one? Um, which was the acapella of uh, Womp. There it is. <laughs> and that was one of the acapellas that I actually learned how to use acapellas with because it was a really traditional four four beat and yeah. actually had an, an easy flow to it, and it was really easy to. To make an acapella work, you need to really know the words of what you're playing to make mm. it swing with the track. Yeah. And we're, I was DJing at uh, Lalida uh, one time and I played that acapella and my best mate and biggest influence, Boogs, had had enough. <laughs> he walked up on stage and ejected the CD that had the acapella on it while it was playing. And he snapped the CD and threw it into the crowd <laughs> and he said, that's enough. <laughs> and I've never played the acapella ever since. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a big lesson as well that I was just, you know, like that was, I used to have a few fallbacks in terms of like what I would play to get the crowd moving. 
But that's, that guy in that photo just there is another great friend of mine and somebody who I work with, who I've worked with a huge amount, that's Logan Baker. Yep. He's based in New Zealand now, but he was based in Melbourne for quite a while. And he's somebody that, you know, he, he helped build Killing Time into what it is. Mm-hmm. He worked a lot with Cam, but he was, I met him at Revolver. A lot of the people that I work with and that I became really close with, I met at Revolver. Yep. Uh, but Logan Baker's that's us playing at Subsonic awesome. uh, on the Paradiso stage. Yep. Um, we will get to Killing Time shortly, but whilst we were just talking about mixed messages and Musker, um, one quote that I did have from him was, Tal has been booked at almost every single event he's put on due to the consistency of your music. He said you used to always bring the crowd and you're one of the best DJs Melbourne's ever seen. And, yeah. said he, and Musker said that his party survived on the back of your music. Well, that's, 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 that's super kind of him. Mm. And, you know, that's, I, I thank him for that. But it's not, it wasn't just to do, it was, you know, I, I, as soon as I met Musker, I knew that I wanted to be a part of what he wanted to do. Yep. Um, as I said, he, he was a bit of a visionary and he had his ideas and what he wants to do in a bigger picture in terms of healing the scene in the right way, I 100% believed in, yep. you know? And so as much as if he says it was a lot to do with me, how his party survived, it wasn't just that. It was the structure and the ideas that he put in and the place. Vision, yeah. yeah. And I think you still see that now when you see things like him at the, the, the Bush Techno stage at um, Esoteric and the Organic yeah. Audio events. and They're, they're just amazing. They're, yeah. They are... You know, a, you know, a good example of that is when he did an organic audio stage at Babylon one of the first years and yep. the stage was so good that Carl Cox actually wanted to cancel his set on the main stage and, and play, play on half stage. That was in the pit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to his testament, Musker said no. Yeah. You know, he, locals only. Yeah. And, you know, Musker and I have also been real avid avid believers that the Melbourne scene has enough local talent in yeah. it that we don't even really need internationals. Yeah, yeah. especially events like yeah. like the, the Doofs that have been coming up. Yep. And, yeah, so yeah. I, you know, I've got nothing but love for Musco. I, I think he – I've always said that he's exactly a big part of what the scene needs. Yeah. You know, they needed somebody like that as mm-hmm. a driving force behind local talent. Yeah. And, and I think he shares the same sentiments back at you. So it's um, it was nice to have such kind words from um, someone who's been so influential in the scene. Um, let's have a quick break. Please excuse this break in transmission. Whilst we're on the topic of Muska, he is behind the awesome Bush Techno crew, which along with Euphoria Berserk and Recovery Collective are hosting Maxim Dark at 24 Moons this Friday, October 11. If you like some dirty techno, make sure you get down to 24 Moons. You'll see me there on the D floor. This is one you do not want to miss. Get your tickets for it now on Facebook. Maxim Dark, M-A-K-S-I-M, Dark Techno. Cheers. Click link. Cheers. So... We mentioned you mentioned your skyline. You're also a bit notorious for skating to gigs. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, well, yep. yeah, that's that's what comes with not being able to afford a car. Yeah, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess when you spend all your money on records, it's who needs a car? Yeah, but records and other things. But I've got my priorities. Fireball sort of, sort of set. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 
Fireball and darts. Yeah, yeah, pretty yep. much. Um, um, and so you also used to – well, you mentioned about how you ran a few parties and promoted. What other sort of weird, quirky jobs have you might have done in the scene? Uh, well, like uh, back back in the early, early days, Fagan and I were um, some of Hardware's best flyer hander-outers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we used to do all the – we used to be those annoying people that used to – fill your well, windshield with fires yep. all over St Kilda and <laughs> I used to stand out the front of um, or at the end of a, a hardware rave or every picture tells a story or Belfast or Welcome 2000 or Welcome whatever year it was. Yep. I'd be the guy at the end of the night standing at the the exit handing out the flyer for the next party Yep, um, because I was really interested in I mean, even before that, I was promoting. This is before the days of social media where yeah, you could just click the, on a hundred events. In the late 90s, a, a couple of guys from my high school uh, named Ross Mewson and Ollie Thomas, uh, they were running a techno party. They were the first guys that I ever knew to play records. And they were, and uh, uh, Ross's older brother, Paul Mewson. And another guy named Adrian Arnott, they were running a party called Movement. And I pretty much just helped them promote that party. Yep. Um, because I didn't I always I always liked the idea of going out and not having to fight. Yeah. Um, because a lot of my early days of going out ended up in brawls and <laughs> um like big fights in, in Ringwood and all that sort of stuff. And then when we moved into the city and um Raving just showed me there was a there was a place that you could go out where none of that was yeah. needed. You and know? I think and that still stands today. You can go out and listen to good music and be around a yeah, and you're getting loose, but it's all love. Yeah, and you could go out with a bunch of girls that didn't actually weren't forced to be put on meat racks. Yeah, you know, and where guys were just ogling and grabbing at them and all that sort of stuff. They had the freedom yeah. to be who they were and be yep. sexy without having a yeah. hundred guys hassling them for it. Yeah, but I also. The main thing that got me over the line in the, those early days was I, I loved the recovery parties. <laughs> recovery parties sitting around with a whole yep. bunch of people. And, you know, I I am always somebody that's never shied away from that. That was back in the days when ecstasy was a really big part of the scene. And yep. that was it was all love when, yeah. when that was around. And it was there was nothing like coming back after a really healthy party and sitting around with a whole bunch of your best friends. Yep playing some music and sitting around pretty much in cuddle puddles, you yeah. know. Like, which we saw a few of your mates doing that earlier today, which we'll get to shortly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but before the recovery party, you used to hide in clubs, I hear. I used to, yeah, I used to, I was one of the, and this is, this is I'll give a, a bit of a, a rep and a mention to a guy named Jamie, uh, Jamie Vegas, um, who used to have a brand called Turak Trash. That's a good name, Jamie Vegas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he, I met him because... Turak Trash, also a good name. <laughs> yeah, and, and, the tagline for, and the tagline for his clothing label was Disgusting Pleasure. Everyone's got one, you know. So, um, What's yours? Well, I've got too many. So, so, and none to be mentioned over a podcast. Okay. Um, but Fireball and darts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. That's that's um, socially acceptable, I suppose. Yep. Um, but I would often be one of the last people left on a dance floor at a rave and yep. time after time 
I'd look over and there'd be this other guy shuffling away named Jamie and we became really close and then I, you know, I helped him with his, his brand, Trash. Yep. Trash. So the lights, had, the lights, the lights, pop, pop lights on. had come on, and I would then go and hide somewhere in a club, <laughs> and wait till everything's packed up and the DJs like I could see them having a minute, and then I would jump up and get people like Richie Rich, Nick, Nick MQ, all the local guys to sign my visor. I had a visor that had every local DJ. I mean, Richie Rich got sick of me. Yeah, Nick MQ, I, I, I really got got to know and like him because he was a graphic designer as well. He designed mm -hmm. all the flyers for every picture to tell the story. Yep. And I was just, I just thought the local guys were as good as any international that I'd ever seen. So I didn't yep. want signatures from internationals. I wanted signatures from people that I knew. Yeah. And so I'd hide in a toilet or hide behind a bar or hide under some clothes or hide behind a couch <laughs> until the lights came on and everyone was packed up and the DJs were leaving and then I'd jump up and they'd be like, oh, Jesus, you again, Ty. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we'll sign it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> cool. A um, few more quickies. <laughs> Favourite venue? Oh. Favourite venue, I have to be... I can't go past Revs. I can't. You know, Re Revolver. I almost grew up in that nightclub. Yep. Favourite venue that's no longer around? Well, Cuba. Cuba. Whereabouts yeah. was that? Cuba was on the corner of Chapel and Turak Road. Yep. I used to close there on Monday mornings for a while. Mm -hmm. But I, I used to close there a lot and I DJed a lot with Boogs there. Yep. Um, but that, that, was, that was a dirty, filthy, awesome venue. That was. You liken it to Tramp these days. Tramp is... Yeah, okay. Because it's down under the... Cuba was down. You walked downstairs underneath. So you were almost underneath Chapel Street was where the venue was. Yep. You know? um, who's best to go back to back with? Best to go back to back with? Oh. I have a heap of them. You know, Luke Vecchio is really fun to go back to back with. He tests mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Um, he tests you. Yeah. In, in what ways? I mean, well, he tests me because he is... He he does things on the on the decks that I don't know what he's doing, so yep. he always gets me puts me on my A game. Yeah, uh, Musker Musker and I always back in the early days, people used to come watch Musker and I play, and either it would be a good show or me, me and Musker might get into a fist fight together <laughs> and like shake each other around in the in the booth. Yep. Um, Is I that mean, what over song selection or other? No, just over just life, just pure <laughs> pure energy, you know. Like, yep. Um. um I really enjoy doing verses with LeBrew, uh, Scotty Pesticide. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like doing verses with. I I, I find I doing back to back with people is some of my favourite times of DJing because I think yep. music is about sharing. Yeah. And I just recently did a really good back to back with Sean Rolt at the Breakfast Club, and he's somebody that I used to play with at mm -hmm. uh, Q Bar back in the day. Yeah, right. And somebody that's had that. When you've got two people that have got 15 years' experience each, so it's 30 years' experience on the decks, it's yeah. just that's that's proper musos yeah. jamming. You yeah, know? and you don't um, you don't plan anything when you have those sort of sets. Uh, no, not really. We just get together. Just I mean, I, I, I love jamming with uh, JMC, Ethan McLaren, mm -hmm. um, and you know any chance that I even get to be behind the decks with Boogs yeah. is a real special time for me. Like on my 40th birthday, we did a four-hour set at Revolver. Yeah. But 
in saying that, I'm still to this day a little starstruck by Boogs and he I find him intimidating. <laughs> so sometimes that can direct yeah. my playing style. Yeah. To, to, to try and yeah, overthink it. To, to overthink, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, sometimes can't feel as comfortable as I can be with you know with everybody else, but that's that's who he is. You know, yeah. I don't you know, he he's the master. He created everything that I yeah. I enjoy. And uh, in, as a pitcher that's up at the moment, I really enjoy playing with Logan Baker. Yep. Um, I used to really enjoy DJing when I got the chance with a guy named Kodiak Kid, uh, who's now just released his first EP and is, is blowing up. Mm -hmm. you know, he's he's one of the the best DJs that I would say. Kodiak Kid is one of the, almost the best DJ I've ever seen. Yeah, right. In my life. Yeah. Well. Uh, him, and, him and Boogs are probably the two best DJs I've ever yeah. seen. Is there anyone um, that you haven't gone back to back with that you would like to? Mm, no, most of them I've, I've, I can walk up to and ask if I can have a jam with them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, there's plenty of DJs that I'd love to do back to back with. But yeah, I have DJed with most people I want to DJ with. Yeah. Sick. What's the best show you've been to? Best show I've been to was probably would probably be a couple of like in the early days was a couple of times I went and saw too many DJs play, mm -hmm. um, which is they're the two brothers that do that mashup style music and they yeah. they do mashups but on vinyl. Um, so that was so there's there's been just too many shows for me to actually call out one or two. Yep. Uh, I used to love going to see Crafty Cuts and A Skills and all those guys, um, but. The best show is like best show I've ever seen would be Sunday mornings at Revolver watching kids play time and time <laughs> 36 again. Thirty six weeks in a row. Yeah, yep. the amount of times that I walked down those stairs going, That was the best fucking day of my life. Yep. Thanks to him. You know, I can't I can't fault that. Yeah. I'm sure a few people have said that thanks to your music as well. Yeah, well yeah, that's that's nice, but yeah, it's yep. I hope hopefully, fingers crossed. Yep. Um I guess for anyone who wants to have that similar impact, what advice do you have for like up and coming DJs that are trying to break into the scene? Because when there's people, like you mentioned yourself and Boogs and Sean have been doing it for 15 plus years, um, I guess that musical knowledge and library is a, a big thing, but what? Well, pretty much like uh, I, the only advice that I have for people is that if you want to get into it, like know what you're getting into. It's like it's not, it's not, uh, it's not a fucking game, you know. It's mm. like it's something that's really sacred and really special to be able to play music to to a bunch of people that have paid money to get into a venue. Yeah. So you know, like I have always said that a DJ should be an entertainer first before an educator. Mm. Um, so I think that DJs should really think about the people that they're playing to, the time slots that they're playing at, um, and not try and showboat and you know like actually not be nonchalant about what they're doing you know yeah. they should be they should realize what they're doing that people paid money to see yeah, it be engaging. So, and, and be engaging and be approachable um and 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 do it because you love it don't do it because it's not a, you know it's like it's the best job in the fucking world yeah you know and if you're lucky enough that you can make money and like survive playing playing other people's music yeah that's something to be really thankful for so mm. don't 
Yeah. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. And that's one thing yeah. that I think I love about it so much is like playing at Day Spa the other week and high-fiving people in the front row and just feeling the energy of their vibe and like they're smiling and you smiling back and you're throwing rock and roll signs at them. Yeah. Like pizza and everything like that. It's, that's it's, a, that's a, that, I mean, that's a venue I'd love to play at a bit more. Yep. But um, every time I get a chance to play at Day Spa over have a ball at yep. the time. I think that what the guys have done there is a really, really good thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, speaking of the, I guess while we're talking of the crowds, um, here's one, you might recognise this fella. Um, don't know if you know, Luke, Luke O'Shea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke is, I've got all the time in the world for Luke. The he's, man in the pineapple he's, suit? He's one of the, he's, one of my favourite patrons, yep. you know, like one of my favourite punters because he's there. He, he, like a lot of DJs who I respect, he's there for the right reasons. He's there yep. to have a good time. Yep. He's there to help people have a good time. Yep. And, like, for instance, what he's wearing. Yep. A pineapple suit. You know, yep. But just dressing up and making Always. actually making something of the day. Yep. Always brings props along, pinatas, all that yeah. sort of stuff. It's just... Um, I guess the reason I've got him up, he now lives in Canada, he's a good supporter of the pod and a big influencer in my life. And a life. great guy. Yep. And an absolute, absolute gem of a human being. Um, but I guess the reason I really bring him up is it's more so a reflection of the people and, and how important are the are the patrons and the people in the scene rather than just the musos. Well, it wouldn't work without them. Yeah. So it's it's as much, you know, like the DJs can be as good as you fucking want, but mm-hmm. it's, they're nothing without the crowd. Yep. And that's why we're so lucky at Breakfast Club each and every Monday to yep. have that, that those type of people like Luke O'Shea, yep. who come and dress up and 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 not only are they a part of it, they are yep. the reason why it works. Yep. You know? I'll bring up the Brecky Club picture. We'll just do. The- yeah, yeah, he's, so- he's, def- he's definitely a good one to bring up, Luke O'Shea. <laughs> he's, he's an absolute gun of a gun of a bloke. Right. Um, you better pass that over to us after you have a swig. Uh, well, here, here is some early Breakfast Club image. Um, so this one, well, I guess talk about. Let, let, let's be honest. That's why a lot of people have tuned into this one. They want to hear about. They want to hear about books. They want to hear about Tyler. They want to hear about Brecky Club. So, right, so he, is, here's an old flyer. This is actually. This is actually probably maybe the first three or four weeks before I was involved with Breakfast Club. Yep. When it was at Killing Time. And I wasn't I wasn't there for the maybe the first three weeks or four weeks of it. Yep. And I had no idea I, when I heard that someone was throwing a party on a Monday. I was like, "Fuck off! Like, <laughs> that's not going to work. Like, how's it going to work?" And I just thought I was living in Pran at the time, and I walked past and dropped my head in, and the vibe at Killing Time was was so special. So I was like, these guys are onto something. Yeah, like, they are. This is this is going to be something super special because mm-hmm. it was even within the first month or the first two months of it happening, it was a family instantly, yep. you know, and a lot to do with a, a guy named Gabriel, who's a big part, who's one of the the other director of uh, Breakfast Club, and yep. what he brought to Melbourne, and what his crowd and the friends that he brought along. Um, the international market that comes to Breakfast Club, yeah, they almost, they almost sort of showed Melbourne that some 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 parts of Melbourne can be a bit clicky and a little bit too cool 
to have a good time. Yeah. And that bunch of people really, really gave us a bit of a kick in the ass to remind us that yeah. it's just, we're just there to have fun. Well, last night I was there, I was sitting in the corner on the dance floor and a young fella, Tommy, comes up to me and he just come from the UK. It was his first day in Melbourne. His mate had gone home because he had work the next day, but he, he took him to breakfast club as soon as they got there. He said, mate, come in here. He's like, is all of Melbourne like this? He said, every person I've talked to has been so happy, is so nice, so yeah. welcoming. He's like, I've only been in the country for 20 hours. I don't want to leave. Yeah. Um, I can't. I mean, every single Monday is – Monday's my favourite. You know, Monday went from being the worst day of the week <laughs> to the best day of the week for yep. me by far. Um and that's, you know. And you mentioned the fun of the recoveries and you also mentioned the family. Um, you did just come from, you know, I know you weren't part of the recovery, but it looked like a few of the heads there. We had Ethan who on this po- poster, he's got McLaren nicely underlined, which you don't see that name on the fly as much yeah, anymore. It's all JMC. And Luca Tan. Yep. Um, and Steph Yeah. Um, so you just Steph come- Yeah was one of the, probably one of the reasons why I'm a part of the Breakfast Club because yep. he pushed and pushed for me to get in, involved in the bill. Yep. And then Ethan had my back as well. And that was at a time where I was considering finishing up with DJ um, yeah. because I, I I found that I wasn't, I didn't have enough gigs to keep me going and I wasn't being inspired by the gigs that I was doing. Yeah. And then these guys took me in and made me a part of what I think is Melbourne's best party, yeah. weekly party. So with this being what, around 2014, 2015? Yeah, so we've yeah. been going for five years in total, so about 2014. Yeah. yeah. And now the family, I guess you just came from there with Scotty Pesticide, Dale, Lee. Um, they're such an awesome crew that just, um, they bring the vibe every week. And, every every uh, week. And, the, and the, the, the crew of DJs that we've got, um, Francesco, Victor. Yep. Lee, I mean, Lee Lawless is, he, he, Lee Lawless and Dale are the glue that holds it all together. Yep. They, you know, and Dale's one of my oldest and dearest friends in the scene. But they... It's a real special group of people yep. that that run the Breakfast Club, and it's special because everybody has got each other's back, and everybody understands that it's a special thing that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's also a group of people that don't just turn up and play and leave; they turn up and play and then enjoy themselves for the day, yep. or they might even come in hours before they have to play. Yep, and it, I think that's what. It, what it takes to make a community, you yeah. know, is the is the people that are running it. Not only are they standing up there DJing, being the people of the moment, yeah. But then they're there on the dance floor ten yeah. minutes after they play, yeah, enjoying it with everybody else just yeah. as the way that they are. And tell you, educate yourself about new music and what other people are like, and and take it in different yeah, tastes. I, and- I, I can't. And, you know, and it's a big thanks to the guys who run 161 as well for having us because it's, a, it's an amazing venue. You can get lost in that venue. Any venue that's got fish tanks in the wall <laughs> is, you know, that's, you know, I, yeah. I, think it, I think that's a lot to do with the guy who designed and owns the club, Zoc. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime he's around, the sound system sounds better. Yeah. You know? um, he gives it a bit more juice when, when he's around. Do you know how many fish tanks are in the venue? I've counted about five. Five, yeah, that's yeah. what I've got as well. Yeah. I don't know how many are hidden behind the bar though. But, no, yeah. but I mean, like, there's, yeah, they're everywhere, and the fish always look happy. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I guess the key word in the breakfast club really is club, though, and that is like really, could almost beat the breakfast. Yeah, family, but really. uh, another person that you have to mention to do with like what 
you know, that made the Breakfast Club what it is, is the guy that hosted us first off, which Cam. Yep. I was going to bring up Killing who, Time, yeah. yeah who, who, who made and created Killing Time and I think is one of the only venues in Melbourne that has the integrity of an international venue. Yeah. You know? And he also knows when to say no to people as well. Yeah, he? he was one of the first people I met in the scene as well. Yep. I met him at EarthCorp maybe 18 years ago or something like that. Yeah. And I saw him walking through the dance floor and he looked like something out of Mad Max. And I was just, <laughs> I was just like, I need to know this guy. <laughs> um, so he hasn't changed in 20 years then. No, and, and then back back then, before Killing Time was a venue, he had a clothing, like where Killing Time was, it was a clothing store called Slave Inc. And that okay. was his clothing label. And he actually sponsored me as a DJ. He'd give me free clothes. Yeah, right. And I'd wear them when I was playing and cool. stuff. And he actually had my back and propped me up Yep. Before anyone else did. Yep. And also gave me a couple of life lessons because I've always been somebody that <laughs> I've been kicked out of almost every venue in Melbourne <laughs> and can get a little bit caught up in the moment. And he's one of the only people that's ever been able to put me in my place. Keep me grounded yeah, a bit. Yeah, and keep me grounded yep. and gave me a couple of real, you know, like long, good, strong, firm emails about, yep. you know, like how I could better myself. Yeah. You know. Well, it sounds like you've had some good influences in yeah, terms of that with yeah. people like him and Boogs. Um, but just on Killing Time, we're actually down there on the weekend, just gone with um, the Jawsman. Jawsman Tracks had it, Joey Connor. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, he had a label showcase down there on Saturday night, which awesome. had, a, had a fun little vibe to it. So we popped in there and, and saw the crew uh, doing their thing. So yeah, it was, it's like the sound system in Killing Time now is like it's immaculate. It's yep. just like it's... I love Killing Time. You know, before, before it was a venue, Cam used to throw these parties that... I I'd leave the party and I'd go to work and I'd hear that it was still going. I'd go back and three days later it was still going. <laughs> people on the roof and stuff. And then yep. I think Cam just had the inclining inclining that um he should turn it into a venue. Yeah. Um, I guess you've mentioned the emails and the advice he gave you. What is what are some of the best lessons you've learnt? Um. Well, yeah, you know, like not some of the best venues is not is is best things I've been taught is to be happy with what you're doing mm-hmm. and not to expect you know if you give a lot don't expect it back you give yeah. it for a reason um, and you give it because you want to give it not because you want something back yeah um, you know there was a time in the industry where I suppose people could have said that I was a little bit jaded and all that sort of stuff but that was you know that just comes with working at the same job for yeah ever so long you get but com- it's easy to get comfortable one of the biggest lessons in this Ethan helped me with this and uh, Musker helped me with this and it was just that no matter what the troubles that you've got in your personal life you've got to remember that you're there as an entertainer back yep. to what I said before being an entertainer rather than an educator so you shouldn't if you're in a bad mood yeah don't go out yep don't put that onto other people because it's not they, they, they're they not in a bad mood and they've got nothing to do with your bad mood or yeah. where you are in your life yeah don't go there as an escape kind of thing yeah, yeah. And don't you know and don't sort of bring your bags of fucking bleh yep to the venue because yep. people have paid their money and they don't you know it, it brings the whole vibe down yep well that I guess kind of leads into my next question which the scene does have a lot of obviously great positives and 
can do so many great things for people. But also, what are some of the, I guess, demons or, or darker sides of the scene? Like, obviously, people do bring that baggage to a venue. That yeah, venue I mean, can be. And so it's also like one of the biggest demons of the scene is that, you know, there needs to be educate, much more education on substances and yeah. substance abuse. Yeah. And because there's lack of education about substances and what they do to you, a lot of people can do a whole heap of substances before they know what they're getting into and then get caught in a trap, you yep. know? And then that there needs to be much more education than punishment yep. um, because, you know, I say the word drugs are a part of the scene and they're part of life, you know? Yeah. And just because they aren't a substance where the government can make a fucking tax off it yeah. doesn't mean that they're as... They're, they're worse or anything yep. like that. They they just are what they are. Yeah. But there's, you know, cigarettes and alcohol have killed more people than fucking anything, yep. you know. But having that horrible sort of like zero tolerance on any other substance, yeah. I think that's one of the main problems of the scene because the substances are always going to be there. Yeah. And instead of having punishment, they could have a lot of education, you know, like a... I've been talking a lot to a few friends of mine of thinking of doing like some sort of drug bible which is yeah. what you know what each substance does and what it shouldn't be mixed with and if you've yeah. had it or if you've had too much this is what you do rather than yeah. somebody instantly getting put in the back of an ambulance and getting put in the worst yeah. environment that you could ever imagine yeah, sometimes you, you just need to you've had acid or something like yeah, that yeah. you're strapped to a gurney you're in a White hospital room. Yeah. Like, Sometimes you just need to fucking, be it's an absolute <laughs> fucking nightmare. Yeah, you just better be nursed through it in a comfortable yeah, environment. You've just got to ride it out. Yeah. If, you know, like back in the early days, some of my early days of raving, you know, I might have taken a bit of acid and I went through a stage where I thought I was a brick. Yeah. If I had, <laughs> if I had too much and I'd just stop moving and I'd, just, I'd stand there still and I'd get taken to the rave safe tents. Yeah. And they were old guys that knew. All I needed was a glass of orange juice, which yep. is a placebo effect, and yep. it was just somebody going, you're right, man, you're, yeah, you're exactly. cool, have, a, have yep. a cold glass of drink, yep. sit here for a bit, and then I'd be like, oh, man, I'm feeling awesome. Yeah. I'd go out and have the best time of my life. Yeah. But in today's market, it's like that same sort of person would be instantly swamped by yep. Red Cross people and like, oh, my God, you know, yeah. hold him down, you know, yeah. and then, of course, the guy panics or yep. the girl panics. And then they're fighting yeah. against the one thing, yeah. you know. Sometimes best just to yeah, go back to your campsite and have a lay down. Yeah, or, or yeah. be around people that are experienced in that sort of environment yep. who can just talk you out of it. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's the thing as well is sometimes it's also very easy when you're in a venue and it might be time to go home, but everyone else is still rocking and having a good time. So and you, it's, it's very easy to just hang around, isn't and it? And just get when, caught up in the moment yeah. and have a little bit too much. Next but minute you spend 300 there, bucks, you, you should know, move that, that is something that I would say to people is that, like, there's nothing wrong with calling it a night. Yeah. You know? It's like because the party will always be there the next week. Yeah, exactly. Don't think you need to rinse yourself to the point of being unhealthy yep. and drain your body because the party will always, there'll be another one, yep. you know? Um, I think we've done most of the photos. Do you want to just bring that up, Julian? Julian's feeling a bit sick today, so he's not on mic duty. He's just uh, he's just <laughs> flicking the buttons. We look after that throat perspective. Um, he's the season for it. I just got over the flu. Yeah, so. that's right. Spring's back. We're in the good times. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we nearly cranked it out. Um, 
I do want to give a bit of a shout out to a, a guy that I, you know, I start, I've got my first uh, first part of uh, doing an Ableton course tonight. So I wanted yep. to give a shout out to a, a, an up and coming DJ called Easy Street, yep. also known AKA Sammy Alexander. Shout out to Sammy. And um, Cameron as well and, and Reese. Um, they're a bunch of guys that sort of found me three years ago at Rainbow and I was a little bit lost, not knowing where I was going in the scene mm-hmm. and just needed a bit of backing and they backed me and have revived my entire career, you know. Them, yep. those guys and the Breakfast Club, making me part of something, making me actually, giving me a bit of props for the amount of time that I've spent in the industry with, yep. you know, like a... A little bit of positive feedback and a little bit of positive reinforcement for anyone mm. can change their lives. It's a bit and, of confidence. Yeah. And those th- those bunch of people, and Musker as well, and, you know, I've, I've got a huge list of people that have are the re- you know, reasons why, I, you know, and my mum and dad as well, especially, you yeah. know, like they've, I've been a, a trial of an only child, <laughs> a crazy, crazy person that's many calls from hospital and many calls. From <laughs> what are their names? Ann and Doug Hamilton. Ann and Doug. Yeah. Hey, Ann and Doug. Shout out to Ann and Doug. Yeah, they'll listen to this. So. Yeah. Um, but there's been many calls from, you know, getting brought home by police officers and <laughs> up in the hills and, you know, calls from hospitals and... Um, Falling off roofs of stuff and having a, a parachute fail and um, skydiving is something yeah, I was told to ask you about. Yeah, I've got my skydiving license. I have my skydiving license. I'd have to renew it now. Yeah. Um, having a son like that and still having his back to this day. I spoke to my mum earlier today. Yep. Um, you know that's that's something that's really special. You know. Um, yeah. But uh, the the people in the industry that. You know, and, I, and just reconnecting and re rejigging my friendship with Boogs has been a real special thing for me of late. Which mm-hmm. you know, I've been catching up with him and awesome. Um, we've got I've actually got a I was running a party called Dopium for a little while at Good Things, and I've actually got a Revs Sunday takeover coming up. Yep, on well, the thirteenth of October. Awesome, and I'm lucky enough that. And I think this is really special for Melbourne as well because Boogs has always done the early slots on a Sunday and they swapped around the set time so Boogs will be doing the last set leading into me. Fantastic. Um, on the Sunday. So what so, time will you be playing on that one? Uh, we, Luke Vecchio and I will be doing a back-to-back set for two hours, a bit of a trick set and showcase straight after Boogs at 4 o'clock on Sunday, awesome. October the 13th. And so... Boogs will be playing two or three hours before that. Fantastic. So October the 13th, Revolver, we'll make yeah. sure we're at that one. Yep. Um, we get Boogs at lunchtime. Yeah, so, well. It's rather than the morning. Yep. So. Hopefully it's raining outside. So we're yeah. Um, well, yeah, we're just about done. One other thing is you've also been known to get a bit of bad luck, a bit of tail luck. <laughs> um, yeah, I've had a couple of things, yeah. Um, you get the short end of the stick every now and then. What's What are some of the, uh, I guess, the... Well, not not funniest stories, but I guess how's that help build your resilience as well into your yeah. Into well, your life I mean, there's there's, a, there's I mean, a little while ago, I almost killed myself uh, trying to jump the banisters at um and jump from the stage where we have the artwork on at 
breakfast club and I tried to bunny hop the banister and fell on my head from about two and a half metres down. And What, just a little stage near the bar? Um, like where you walk upstairs? Where you walk upstairs. So I, <laughs> I jumped off that and caught my feet on the top of the banister and fell head first onto the ground. <laughs> the footage of it makes me want to vomit. Um, so what did you do, smack your neck or something? I, I I don't know what I did, but I was concussed really, really badly. I had to be, I had to leave the venue and I stuff. Laugh, but, but yeah. It's like it. Right. The footage of it makes me feel sick. Um, <laughs> but that's, you know, in terms of unluckiness, it's just, that's a lot to do with the way I'd say it's a lot, you know, I mean, I chipped my shin bone at Revolver one year because I was enjoying Booker's set so much and I just I screamed at the top of my lungs, I fucking love this place, and went to kick a table and miskicked it and kicked the corner of it and <laughs> chipped a little bit off my shin bone. Um, so I've got a little bit of bone at home in a glass jar. That's my, my Rev's bone. Yeah. Um, but it's you know, a lot, of, lot to do with my that little bit of tail luck that I have is to do with me putting myself in positions time and time and time again. So really it's not luck, it's just me <laughs> creating your own creating my, <laughs> creating my own universe, you know? Yep. Um, are there any areas in, I guess, DJing or other that you would like to improve on or you feel you'd, you'd like to work to get better at? Uh, well, this, this new delve into production is what yep. I'm, I'm, you know, because I'm, I'm 40 now, so it's, um, I'm, I can't, I, I don't I don't want to be some I don't want to be a forty five year old club kid. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> this delve into production, uh, which is big thanks to Samuel Alexander for for pushing me to do it. Yep. Um, but I'll be I'll be giving that a hundred percent of my time and a hundred percent like giving my absolute yep. heart and soul to. I think um, with um the, the tunes that you've played over the years, I think the the ideas you've probably got that's going to get come over to the production scene. I think the scene's in for a treat. Yeah, well, I hope so. I, yep. If I can, if I, the ideas that I have in my mind, if I can, if I can get them out into a into a track format, yep. then I think they'll be pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to touch on before we get to the final question? Uh, well, not really. Just pretty much like thanks to anyone that's actually said a kind word to me or actually giving me a pat on the back or a hug or had a dance with me or a bump or whatever <laughs> um, and shared a moment with me in the time that I've been in the scene because that's that's why I do it is because, you know, experiences with people is all that life's about. It's not, yeah, it's not about money. It's not about fucking showmanship. It's not about, like, ego or anything like that. It's about interacting with people and sharing yep. moments and DJing's been something that's made me lucky enough to, yep. you know. I also have to do a big mention to Rainbow Servant Festival because I haven't, I haven't missed a year in 10 years and every single year I grow as a person over those five days. Yeah. And Rainbow's, you know, I've got big thanks to Thad Lester who booked me for the market stage last year and yep. that was you know a culmination of nineteen years of you know I've, I've been applying for Rainbow for eight years before that and played on yep. the chill stage for three years, yep. and then finally got to unleash on the market stage last year and it was you know that was one of the best experiences I've ever had. I wanted was big, that... big shout outs to the Subsonic Festival as well. Um, Musker and I have got had a big 
lot to do with that party ever since it started. We, we were involved with the first party and we used to drive a charter bus of 50-odd people from Melbourne yeah. all the way to Sydney um, to the festival and then drive them home in the same bus. <laughs> the bus up there would be very loud and lots of singing and songs and then the bus home would be <laughs> Xanax and quiet and a lot of staring out the windows. But yeah. uh, that was some special times. You know? Sure. Um, so the Rainbow, was that Saturday morning? Oh, sorry, like Saturday lunchtime you played? Is that right? Uh, no, no, I played. Uh, I actually played a, a, a kind of tough time, but that's you know. Big thanks again to the the crew of people that stuck with me. I played seven a.m. on the Sunday morning. Yeah, that's uh, right. After they did the the call out of the garbage and cleared the dance yeah, floor. Yeah, so you got to get it going again. It's but it was yeah. it was tough. But yeah, you know, and I and and I have to give a big shout out to um, a guy who had my back at a time where no one did. Pasco Gordon, who is one of my absolute best friends and one of the best people I've ever met. Yep. Um, and he was he orchestrated he he brought a huge amount of people to that stage, and really made a morning of it. And another person I need to shout out to who I hadn't and who has had my back probably more than anyone, apart from my parents, um, uh, a queen of mine, my, an angel in my life, uh, Bryony Amble. Um, she's. She has given me, made me feel safe at times where I felt really alone, mm-hmm. and really pushed me and made me made me realise that I was doing the right stuff and made Good. me a better person. On your Briny, thank you. Um, that rainbow set can be relived on your SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the chill set's yeah. also up there. But if yeah. you go to Tal and SoundCloud, the rainbow one's one of the ones at the top of the page, which we were vibing last night, actually cruising to, to Bricky Club. So it's, yeah. a, it's a good listen. Um, well, we're just about to wrap it up. All right, so just before we get to our final question, well, I'll ask you the final question and I'll let you think about it. Yeah. And then I'll then we'll I'll do your plugs and we'll get back to, to wrap it up. So uh, the final question is, as you may have heard before, is if you could ask anyone in the world, living or dead, any question, who would you ask and what is the question? Oh, so um, whilst you think about that, here is our other tradition. Here's a lovely bottle of wine. This one, again, not sponsored by the show, but um, we like to make it relative to our guests. So this one is called Underground. Oh, thanks, so, Thank you. No worries. So we'll have to thanks. share that one shortly because yep. you are the man of the underground seen in <laughs> Melbourne and have been for the last 20 years. Um, again, everyone, you can find Tal. He's on Instagram, T-A-H-L. Also That's on DJ Tal Melbourne. DJ Tal Melbourne. On Instagram. On Insta, yep. yep. Um, Tal on SoundCloud if you whack it in, T-A-H-L as well there. Um, check him out on Facebook. See all his upcoming events on the Facebook page. You can see him at Bricky Club just about every Monday. Every Monday. Um, Revolver, Killing Time. Uh, what are other your favourite events coming uh, up? We've got, well, else? I've got, you know, like a, I, I haven't shouted out to Danielle and Ewan who run uh, Rancho and uh, Chihuahua Town. Oh, yeah, you've got Chihuahua Town coming we've up. Got Chihuahua Town doing a versus set of Mutant House with Musker. There, but they, those look forward you know, to a fight like, behind um, the decks. <laughs> you and you and had my he backed me a long time ago, and I actually stuffed up the set, you know, because I got too drunk before the set and I messed it up. And that was at the Eclipse Festival a long time ago. <laughs> yep. So it took me a little bit of time to make him realise that I was still I was I took myself seriously and I was a serious artist. So yes. it took me a bit of time to get back on that, but. Uh, when he booked me for the first Chihuahua Festival, he gave me the Saturday night uh, main time, and that was 
to this day, was one of my favourite sets I've ever played. Was that up in the Dandenongs in the hills? Yeah, yep. yeah, it was. Um, I closed with Farrow Munch, Get the Fuck Up. Yep. And that, I know, that, I know. Yeah, and that was, that was pretty special. Um, and some other, I have to give some other shout-outs, guys like Timus, um, Tim Augmented, who is a big reason why I got the set at Rainbow as well. Uh, Casey Taylor's been a big influence on me. Um, Fergus, who's also AKA The Oddness. Um, I mean, I mentioned Kodiak Kid before, but he's he's, he's been such an inspiration to me the yep. entire time that he's been playing and I've got to call him my best friend, his partner, Leola, um, Jay Loren, uh, Griff, all, a whole bunch of Northside people. Uh, Dylan Jarrod and the guys behind Esoteric, I think, are some of the, you know, um, Luke Matheson and those guys. I think Esoteric is one of the, yep. you know, saving faces for the underground. We spoke about underground before, and I'm so glad that their festival is going through the roof yeah. because they is deserve it, what the they get. best party I went to last year for sure. Because they are some of the most hardworking people in the industry. Yep, and that's coming up next year, the uh, underwater theme. Yeah, next year. yeah, and the fact I think that you, you already sold out, and the fact that you get three D glasses upon entry, yep. is I can't wait to get to see what you get to see <laughs> through those glasses. Yep, and you know I've I've had word that I might be getting a set on the snake pit next year. Right. So that's I'm, dangerous. I'm, I'm, that's dangerous yep. and something that I will be yep. prepping for for months. Yeah, you know? and I think that's where something like your production course can come in nicely. Exactly. And make an intro. Know, like, fingers crossed that next season yep. I'll be able to actually showcase some of the work that I've, you know, showcase something of my own yep. next summer. Fantastic. Well, one, one <laughs> thing we have always, I appreciate anyone from your sets is the fact that you aren't just techno or house. You do put in that old school rap and hip hop and, and still re, I guess a lot of young people in the scene don't know about NWA, but no. you still bring in like the Faramonches, like you said, and yeah. um, all those throwback tracks that I remember listening to as a 15 year old, you're bringing into the, yeah, to the to the new know, age and um, given that everyone, everyone's music's still the appreciation, yeah, I guess. As Eminem said, you know, motherfuckers thought they forgot about Dre, you know, <laughs> but he's like, you know. But I guess that's the same as guys like Dr. Dre and Pharrell that, and and Kanye. They're putting in the roots of their old '60s and '70s yeah, funk, and, and it's it's constantly reinventing and so, showing a homage to those past genres and yeah, things that have influenced us to to new crowds. With how fast like music is moving and digital music is moving and technology and everything like that, it's so easy to forget what has just been. Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, some of the, the most, you know, the big parts of my sets that I've been playing lately have been tracks that, I've, that are four or five years old mm. that only got a rinse out for a while in Melbourne and then quickly move on to something else because yeah. there's so much new music available. Yeah. But... You need to remember that the crowds in Melbourne aren't aren't obsessed with finding new music like DJs are. Yeah. That that's the one time they get to hear those tracks is when they're yeah. out and about. Yeah. So why not give it to them? Yeah. Well, sometimes you hear a song that you think <coughs> it's new, it's new to you, but it's been out for eight years yeah. when you look it up. But yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's where even the twenty-year fashion and music cycle is so interesting because I mean things like Ludacris, Timberland, yeah. like that stuff that was early two thousands DMX. You can bring that back now. Yeah, it's, it's so new. That, that era of hip hop, like in the late '90s and stuff, was just 
yeah. you know, Jurassic 5 and all that sort of stuff was just off the hook. It was yeah. just so good. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Well, so we were, did you ever think about the question in between all that? I'll probably distract um, you a bit. But, yeah, so who would you ask? Uh, well, any question? Who would you ask? And what's the question? Well, geez, that's hard. Right. Um, I'd probably ask Kurt Cobain why the fuck he hooked up with a girl with a tip rat like fucking Courtney Love. <laughs> well, but actually, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, that's yeah, that's that's me personally because Kurt Cobain was the only when I heard about his death, he was the only he was he was the only celebrity that I actually cried about. Well, I'm know? actually rocking this at the moment. Before, oh, that's awesome! The old he's, Nirvana yeah, T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, I should have had me hoodie off the whole time. Kurt Cobain, you, you know, if Kurt Cobain, Biggie, and Park were alive, it's like the music industry would be a lot different, you know. But if I could ask the cops that killed Biggie <laughs> why they did it, yep. then that would be a really good answer. I'd ask the LAPD why the fuck they killed some of the best musicians that the world has ever seen. Who shot Tupac? Uh, well, I don't know. I think that was gang-related, but, you know, I think it was all orchestrated by powers that be because they were too big for yep. the world, you know. Yep. Yeah. And it's one of the it's the biggest crime of our generation is the fact that no one's been charged for their murders. It's, yeah. it's, it makes me want to vomit in my mouth. Yeah, but it'd be yeah. also interesting to see how people like that though would have because they were taken so young. How, how they would have like, adapted? Because you look at people like what happened, what would have happened if Jay Z or Puff Daddy were taken at the same age, yeah. and you look at how they've turned into these different business moguls. Exactly. Um, and then other ones who have gone down, like R. Kelly, who goes down a totally different path. Jeez. Like, so sometimes being taken young almost could, might have helped them long term. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, but I just think that, I think that Kurt Cobain had a lot more to say. Yep. And I think, I, you know, to the, I don't, I don't believe he killed himself, but, mm. you know, I, that's that's my personal opinion, but uh, all those all all that sort of stuff is going to come out in the wash one day because yep. everything does. You Gradually, know, you, is can't, now, you yeah. can't you can't shy away from it. Like you even see a lot of stuff that was suppressed from the sixties and seventies. Now know, it's in its statute of limitations. It starts if coming out. Biggie's mum's case against the LAPD goes ahead. It's going to bankrupt the city of LA. Yep. So, so it know. won't. <laughs> so it, it won't. But yeah. you know, like uh, hopefully she keeps fighting and stuff. If anyone. Yep. Hasn't seen it, and they should see it. See a film called City of Lies with Johnny Depp, which is the expose of that whole okay. story, mm -hmm. which is really something special. The last yep. scene of the film has got Johnny Depp sitting with um, Biggie's actual mother, yeah, talking about why you know what's wrong with the world and all that sort of stuff. And I think it's really poignant in terms of today. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's just me getting a bit dreamy, there, <laughs> you know, like yep. but. Oh, well, that's one for us to check out. Everyone else, go and check out Tal. Thank you so much, Nick, for yeah. being here today. Thank you, Trent. Um, we look forward to seeing you at Revolver on the 13th um, and all the other magical events, Breakfast Club, Killing Time, the playing that coming up soon. Yep, cheers. It's um, going to be a really huge summer, so everyone out there, like, you know, anyone who's listening to this, take care of each other and, you know, don't let them catch you riding dirty. <laughs> keep, keep, keep it under wraps yeah. keep spreading the love playing the good yeah. tunes thank you everyone for tuning in to the TB podcast our track of the week coming up just after this thanks very much thanks mate cheers Obrigados. a big thank you once again to Tal check him out on Facebook on SoundCloud every Monday at the Breakfast Club 161 on High Street in Melbourne 
What a great story. Fascinating to learn about the history of Melbourne techno and the underground scene. So we really appreciate your time, Tal, and everybody get around him. He's going to have some sick tunes coming out once he starts producing, but some of his sets on SoundCloud right now, they'll get you through a weekend and uh, even through the midweek blues. Massive thank you again to Tal. And as we said, straight into our track of the week. This off his new release, Lost Moments, on Recovery Collective. Our good friend, Allegra, A-L-E-G-R-A. You can buy this on Beatport for under 15 bucks. It's an absolute humdinger. Here is a bit of a sample. We can't give you the whole thing, but we'll give you a bit of a teaser of track two off this release, New Found Love. Everybody check it out. This is Allegra. Remember to check out DoofTube for all our favourite highlights. Big interview with Liquid Soul coming out very soon. We appreciate your love on the TV podcast. Have fun. Be safe. Don't stop a rocking. Obrigados. Vamos.
There you go. There's a sexy drop. Now go buy it on Beatport. Allegra, A-L-E-G-R-A. Obrigados. Vamos. E-L-E. Trendoff.com. <laughs>